Pastor Xavier Reese says God hears us when we call out to Him. Thank God that all of us don't have to be of a certain class or pedigree for God to hear us, huh? Like David. If He only heard kings, we'd be dead. God hears and His ears open to all who call upon His name, Romans 10, 13 says, for repentance. He doesn't care whether you're rich, poor, black, white, yellow, pink, blue, whatever color you are, it doesn't matter. Short, fat, ugly, pretty, it doesn't matter. All. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's in our nature as Christians to praise and glorify God. And God delights in our worship, as it says in Psalm 23, that He inhabits the praises of His people. King David consistently praised God, as evidenced by some of the more heartfelt adoration of God that can be found in Scripture was penned by him, with encouragement that we might discover the blessing as a result of worshiping the Creator. Pastor Xavier takes a closer look at the simple truths of singing songs of praise to God. Let's listen. All of our uh, founding fathers are recorded in history as giving praise to God from George Washington and even before him all the way to Lincoln and so on and so forth, even down to Reagan. But something has happened in our nation. They're rewriting history. And yet our very document says that our rights and liberty and pursuit of happiness is given to us by our creator, not by Congress, not by a president, not by a Senate, not by anybody else. And every one of these men gave glory and praise to God for the miraculous working of God to establish this nation. What we have before us is a thanksgiving song by way of praise by the words of David. There are other songs of thankful praise to God that we find in the scriptures. You have the song of Moses in Exodus 15 where he uh, praises God as God destroys the Egyptian army as you know and then uh, Miriam his uh, sister leads the women with timbrel and dance and song that lead the chorus. Moses song for the second generation that's going to occupy the promised land for the greatness of God and all that he did his faithfulness and they're hanging to the covenant in Deuteronomy 32 and 33. And some even see if you remember, we began Samuel. First and second Samuel were originally one book. So some see in the first two chapters open up, remember Hannah, her song of thanksgiving and praise to God for Samuel. And then you have the, at the end here the song of praise and thanks of David, and they see it as two bookends, just sealing the book together. But it's a beautiful witness of all that David was was due to God. Bottom line. And so the thanksgiving song here of David to God by way of praise, is for God's deliverance of David. And it falls into a three-fold division. Real simple, okay? Usually you write a letter, you have an introduction, a body, a conclusion. The song is the same way. That's what it is. First, we have the introduction of the song, verse 1 through 4. Then we're going to have the body of the song, 5 through 46. And then we're going to have the conclusion of the psalm, 47 through 51. All right? Let's begin here. You have the superscription in verse 1. Superscription, notice there, the song is attributed to David. David was the king of Israel, also called the anointed of God, the sweet psalmist of Israel in the next chapter, verse 1 of chapter 23. Notice it says, Then David spoke uh, to the Lord the words of the song the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So it tells us when this song and what it's about. 
David spoke the words of the Lord Yahweh, or to him, okay? The covenant God, the one who anointed David, as you remember, to be king. The words that David spoke to Yahweh are a song. The word is used in various ways, for a lyric song, for a religious song, or for a song of Levitical chorus in Scripture. Now, there are 15 psalms, Psalm 120 to 134, they're called the Halal Psalms, or the songs, Psalms of Ascent or Degree. And the pilgrims of the Jews would go to Jerusalem, the capital, three times a year for unleavened, which included Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And they would sing these songs on their pilgrimage. And if you read them, they're in progression, and you see the ascent up to Jerusalem. You end up on the last one. This is the song, the same word. You find that in Deuteronomy 16, 16, and other portions. Three times a year, they have to present themselves. Now, this song is identical to Psalm 18, with very few variations. Um, there are very opinions which came first. Most people believe that here, Samuel, chronological order, this comes first, and the other one. But notice the time period is stated by two factors in verse 1. The first is general and larger time period on the day when the Lord Yahweh had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies. And the second is more specific, and from the hand of Saul. This would encompass from the exile running from Saul, if you remember, till after he had been made king by the northern kingdom. Judah accepted him, then the northern kingdom. So that gives us a good portion of time when we can fit these things in. Now, Verse 2 through 4, we have the declaration of praise for deliverance. Remember, this is the introduction. In verse 2, David saw the Lord as his protection. Listen to him. The Lord Yahweh is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. The language of David is very picturesque and figurative here of God. The image of a rock, as you know, is one of the most common in the scriptures. A rock is something stable, something hard, something that protects you, something you can depend upon. He says the high hills are a refuge for the wild goats. And the rocks for the conies in Psalm 104, 18 in the Old King James Version. The coney, if you've gone to Israel with us, as we're going up to, the, uh, to Engedi and to the right-hand side at the foot of the mountain, you have brush area there. You have coney. They're like the rabbit, a little bigger than a rabbit. Coney. It's so feeble that it knows its weakness, so it hides in the rock. That's what the Proverbs says. Listen to Proverbs 30, verse 26. The conies, or the rock badger, that's the New King James, are but a feeble folk, yet make their uh, house in the rocks. This is David. He knows he's feeble. God is his rock. Now perhaps thinking when he had hit also in the wilderness there from Saul all over the place as we've seen the history of David from the beginning. David emphasized, notice the personal dependency and benefit by the word my three times in verse 2. My, my, my. You cannot experience God because your parents are Christians or because your friends are Christian. You must be a Christian, a personal relationship. You can be religious, but you can't be a Christian. It's a personal relationship. David will use it five more times between verse 3 to 7. Now look at verse 3. David saw God as his complete confidence for life. The God of my strength in whom I will trust. Verse 3. My shield and my horn, my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. He's a fortress. Notice in 4, David praised God for his faithfulness to depend on. I will call upon the Lord Yahweh who is worthy to be praised. He, he has shown himself to be faithful, reliable, proven. The word praise is the word halal. It means to boast or glory. 
It's the only word that needs no translation. And every language is pronounced the same. Hallelujah. Worldwide. Praise be to God. Notice to be rescued also, not only depended on. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Three times David makes his relationship to God, again, personal, by the personal pronoun, I. I and my. Christianity is a personal relationship. It's not a religion. Every state has a preamble. And you can look it up on the website, but let me give you Washington's preamble. We the people uh, of the state of Washington, grateful to the supreme ruler of the universe for our liberties to ordain this constitution. Every state in the United States has the state preamble that acknowledges God, praises God for the founding of their state, let alone the nation, to this very day. And how is it that in our capital and our Congress and that our president said that we're no longer a Christian nation? Now, not everybody's a Christian. But you can't read the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and everything else. Or go to every monument in Washington and think that we're pagan or Muslim. Christian, ladies and gentlemen. Thank God that all of us don't have to be of a certain class or pedigree for God to hear us, huh? Like David. If he only heard kings, we'd be dead. God hears and, and his ears open to all who call upon his name, Romans 10, 13 says, for repentance. God respects no person. He doesn't care whether you're rich, poor, black, white, yellow, pink, blue, whatever color you are, it doesn't matter. Short, fat, ugly, pretty, it doesn't matter. Acts 10, 34. God rejects nobody regardless of how depraved they are, how vile they are. If they call for forgiveness of sins, for repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Where are you going to find a God like that? <laughs> you see, no religion offers redemption and forgiveness. Not Buddhism, not Islam, nothing. Only Christianity does. Nobody else does. Aren't you glad that you do not have to be a good singer to worship God? Well, we would be out to lunch, wouldn't we, most of us? I mean, we think we're great when we're singing in the car. We think we can cut a record, don't we? We're impressed with ourselves. God delights in a joyful noise, so we qualify. Psalm 66, 1 says to the chief musician, a song, a psalm, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. I can do that. All the earth. God has to be worshipped in every way. Listen to Psalm 150, verse 1 through 6. Praise the Lord Yahweh. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the mighty firmament. Praise Him in the mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound and trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the string instrument and flutes. Praise Him with the loud cymbal. Praise Him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything have breath. Praise the Lord Yahweh. Praise be the Lord Yahweh. All. Listen to Isaiah, Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. The one who hears the gospel and sees himself as a sinner agreeing with God and calls upon to be saved, God deals with them according to his grace and mercy. Jesus is to be our complete confidence in every situation of life. Having a song in our heart, because life is difficult, isn't it? Disappointing sometimes. Life's not fair. We live in a fallen world. 
Listen to Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. First is by being filled with the Spirit of God. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be you filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all things, all things. We don't thank God for the death of someone. We thank God for his mercy and grace towards that individual. Okay? And we know that God is good. You understand? We're not sadists. We're not masochists. Colossians 3, 16 hits it from the word. Ephesians from the spirit. Listen to the word. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. This is to be going on in your life and my life all the time, good times, bad times, difficult times, smooth times. You understand? My ability to live for God does not depend on the age and the time or the circumstance. It depends on the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Not me. Now, if you understand it as a parent, then you won't be excusing your children. When they're acting like jerk and sinners, just like you. You'll confront them. Bring consequences. Listen to heaven. As they're before the throne of God. Revelations 4, 8 through 11. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of the eyes around and within. And they do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was in this to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sat on the throne and worshiped him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. That's supposed to be a picture of you and I. You understand? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. (laughs) How's your worship of God? How's your praise of God? Are you a fair-weather Christian? Only when things are good? Only when things go your way? Then you're a spoiled Christian. You're immature. You need to grow up. God's on the throne. The introduction sets the stage for God's faithfulness to David. This is just the introduction. Now the body. The body of the song, 5 through 46. Notice 5 through 20, we have the description of the miraculous deliverance. In verse 5 and 6, the danger of David were great. All of them. Realizing his mortality first, when the waves of death surrounded me. Waves, scary. Ever been out there when it's rough? (laughs) Resisting sin, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. He lived among pagans, people that hated him, sinful. The reality of death was intensely present. The sorrows of the shield surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me, verse 6 says. The figurative language is very vivid and powerful. Remember, Saul tried to kill uh, David five times by throwing his spear at him in 1 Samuel 18, 19, and 20. Also in the battles of the Lord, all around him men were dying, falling, yet he was standing. They were going to the place of departed spirits that we really didn't know much clarity in the Old Testament. The New Testament, Luke 16, Jesus says there was a twofold compartment. The place where those who died in faith went, place of comfort, and those who died without God, separated from God. And when Jesus died, he descended to Hades, pulled up those in faith, and took them to heaven. And now there's only hell. Those who die without Christ go to hell. Sheol in the Old Testament, Hades in the Greek. Whatever you call it, you don't want to go there. The words of Jesus make this very clear. Now, look at 7. The confident hope of David was in God. 
He recognized his need of help. This is the hardest thing for us to acknowledge. We're so proudful. In my distress, I called upon the Lord Yahweh and cried out to my God. We want to do everything ourselves, our way. Well, we want the glory. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And it showed. <laughs> the word distress means to be in a narrow or a tight place. You ever been there? It's uncomfortable. The idea is one of anxiety and pressure, perhaps, as he fled out of the window, maybe, from his house. Remember when Saul sent people to kill him at his own house? And Miriam let him out and put the images in the bed? 1 Samuel 19, 11 through 15. Hmm. Notice he realized his words were heeded as he called God. In 7, he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. Temple in heaven. He was in relationship with God. He was God's anointed. Now notice the miraculous intervention was manifested in verse 8 through 20. In verse 8 and 9, the anger of God against David's enemies is poetically described by the forces of nature, a storm. In verse 8, through an earthquake, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of, of heaven shaken were, um, quake were shaken because he was angry. God is fighting for David. The natural forces are recognized as the theophany of God, a divine appearance for judgment. Verse 9, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. Now you remember the book of Revelation and during the great tribulation, the angel will grab the coals from the altar of God and throw them upon the earth for judgment. God is fighting for David here. Very picturesque, very poetical. But it's literal. He did fight for David. The metaphor of storms throughout the scriptures in 1 King and Joel and Nahum and many other places. We read in the history where God fought for David and those that died were died more by the hailstorm than the sword and, and God intervened. Notice the third person pronoun, he, him, his. It's mentioned 20 times in this section focusing on God from verse 8 to 20. The focus is always God. Here's the problem. We want to be the focus. Look at me, look at me. No, we don't want to look at you. Look at God. Look at 10 through 16. The personal involvement of God is described poetically and figuratively again. The lack of sun in 10. He bowed the heavens also. He came down with darkness under his feet. The blowing wind in 11. He rode upon a cherub and flew. And he was seen upon the wings of the Wind, the cherub, as you know, is an angelic order in the heavens that stand in the side of the throne of God in the Ark of the Covenant on both sides of the, uh, of the mercy seat. The torrential rain in 12, he made darkness, uh, canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Then there's lightning in 13 from the brightness before him. Coals of fire were kindled. Thunder in 14. The Lord Yahweh thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. You messing with my kid? <laughs> Thunder. Fighting for David. He even describes a lightning bolt in 15. He sent out arrows and scattered them. Lightning bolts and he vanquished them as he, God's throwing spears from heaven. <laughs> Even the seas included in verse 16. The sea was powerfully disturbed. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord Yahweh, at the blast 
of the breath of his nostrils. The omnipotence of God, all powerful. You know how powerful the sea is, the sun, everything, and yet the one who created him is so much more powerful. They're under his control. Look at 17 through 20, the complete deliverance of David by God in heaven is given. In 17, God rescued David out of these perils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. 18, God was stronger than David's enemies. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. A recognition that I'm not sufficient, I'm not strong, but I've got to depend on God who is stronger than all. In verse 19, God strengthened David in his difficulties. They confronted me in the days of my calamity, but the Lord Yahweh was my support. Life has many different twists and turns, and some of them are great, and some of them are frightening. We don't need to add to our own hurt. Look at 20. God gave to David stability. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Stability. Through all the difficulties you stand, and having done all to stand, Ephesians and the armor says, you end up standing. You aren't asked if you want to go to spiritual warfare. You are born into warfare. And there's only armor in the front, so don't run. And husbands and wives get back to back so you have full armor. He delighted in me. Why? Because I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I depend upon him. Not because I'm perfect. Now from 21 to 30, the expression of obedience in relationship to his deliverance is given to us. And this certainly has to be before the fall of Bathsheba because he's real boastful here to an extent. And if you know when you first began to walk with God and you didn't sin for the first five minutes, you thought you were hot. <laughs> but then the sixth minute, you were a little disappointed. <laughs> Verse 21 through 24, the righteous life of David before God is given. Listen, first is integrity in 21. The Lord Yahweh rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me. And it's so great because as we walk with God, we can experience sweet fellowship and he directs and guides. But he doesn't just bless me when I'm obedient. If he did that, I probably wouldn't be blessed very much. Hmm. 22 and 23, his commitment, not only in Terry, but his commitment. For I have kept the ways of the Lord Yahweh. I have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me. And as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. Again, this has to be before the fall. Psalm 32, Psalm 51 speaks of the great, God's great forgiveness and that great calamity with Bathsheba and others. Then there's self-discipline in 24. I was also blameless before him. And I kept myself from my iniquity, your sin nature is there to the day you die. I kept myself from my iniquity. I don't trust me. I trust God to keep me, but I, I have to say no to me. Listen to me. It's good for you to say no to you. If you're permissive with yourself, you're dead. You can't do that as a Christian. You need to act like the church and be the church and not just say you're the church. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with the worship and song of David, 
The Power of Praising God. And this program is available online to hear again anytime for any part you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now, in the meantime, we've had to break for today only partway through this message drawn from 2 Samuel chapter 22. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply, David's Praise Song to God. It's available on CD for only $4. Now, once again, the title you want to ask for is, David's Praise Song to God. Or simply mention today's date when writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com